You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge Knives. Now, Outdoor Edge has a large range of fixed and replaceable blade knives and game cleaning kits. Now, imagine this. You just shot a deer in the backcountry or an elk or whatever, and it's time to break it down, right? It's hot. You're a long way from the truck, so time is a factor, and you got to get the meat back to the truck so there's no waste. Your blade becomes dull, so instead of having to stop and sharpen, the blade all you do is you take your outdoor edge knife you push a button on the handle the blade pops out you put a new blade back in and you're back to work you get back to the truck there's no wasted meat everybody wins now if you want to find out more information about outdoor edge and their complete line of knives and game cleaning kits all you have to do is go to outdooredge.com and when you check out or you decide you want to purchase a knife Enter the discount code NATION30, and you're going to save 30% off of your purchase. That's NATION30, and that's OutdoorEdge.com. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe, from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> In this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast, I am going to introduce you to two of my best friends, uh, guys that grew up together here in Ohio County, Indiana, spent all of their time growing up focused on becoming hunters and outdoorsmen, two guys that uh, have been lifelong friends and became fast friends of mine when I came to Ohio County as a conservation officer. And I'm really excited to introduce you to these guys. You know, Shane is is a hunter and a bow hunter, a very accomplished bow hunter. 
and Steve, his brother-in-law, is also an accomplished outdoorsman, uh, mainly identifies with fur trapping and things like that, but we are going to talk about how they grew up and uh, their life as kids growing up here in Ohio County. We're also going to talk about where we're at today in hunting, the changes we've seen here in Ohio County, and how we can adapt to secure our future as outdoorsmen here in Indiana. And hopefully you can take some of this conversation back to your town where you live and and recognize that there is still a lot of opportunities for us out there. And we're going to cover all of that in this podcast. I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoyed making it. And I can't stress it enough. Relationships is where our future lies as outdoorsmen. And we have to build those relationships with other people that that may not be houndsmen, but share the passion for living their lifestyle in the outdoors. And you're going to hear their stories. You're going to hear about us uh, hunting together, trapping together. They coon hunt with me. I've deer hunted with them. We've turkey hunted together. We've trapped together. We've spent the last 30 years living our lives in the outdoors. You're going to hear how we raised our families doing that same thing here in a place that was pretty daggone conducive to that sort of lifestyle that we chose to live. So I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed making it, like I said. Before we get to this interview, though, there are a few things we need to cover here. And the first thing that I want to tell you is don't skip this pre-roll. We use this pre-roll to bring you latest news and things going on in Houndsman XP, and I've got a big one right now. Um, I have entered into an agreement with Freedom Hunters and am now going to be coordinating all of the hound adventures that are going to be run by Freedom Hunters. Freedom Hunters, if you don't know, you should because you've been listening to this podcast. Uh, but Freedom Hunters takes veterans. They take children of deployed veterans. Um, they take Gold Star family members. And they take other family members of veterans who have been recently deployed on outdoor adventures. And that can be any kind of outdoor adventure. Freedom Hunters has hosted over 10,000 veterans since their inception back in the mid to early 2000s. And I'm very proud to be working with Anthony Pace, the CEO of Freedom Hunters, to take more veterans out on these hound adventures and expose them to our lifestyle that we are all so passionate about. So if you don't know anything about Freedom Hunters, you can go to our website at houndsmanxp.com and click on that Freedom Hunters link and you'll get all the information Uh, about what Freedom Hunters is. Check that out. And if you want to host an adventure, contact me. I will tell you how easy it is to repay these patriots who have uh, given so much and sacrificed so much for our freedoms here. And this is an opportunity to show them how much we appreciate it. It is easy and I can walk you right through that, and we can get an event coordinated in your area or for you today. So don't delay. Get involved with Freedom Hunters. The other thing we want to talk about is our Patreon page. We are in 
progress right now. By the time this podcast comes out, you're going to uh, see a lot of cool stuff coming out of our Patreon community. We've got pro tips with Jared Moss. Uh, we've got the Houndsman XP pro tips that that I've been doing some of those. We're going to record more. It's going to cover training. It's going to cover short films about little nuances within the houndsman lifestyle and explain some of those things to make our lives easier and more pleasurable while we're in the field it'll give us a deeper understanding of what our hounds are doing and how we can maximize the performance of those hounds i want to talk about paws are protected paws are protected is a preconditioner for your dog's feet it regenerates cell growth and you rub that on your dog's feet you massage it in it's gonna gonna have healing properties there you can find all that information through our website at houndsmanxp.com by looking at our sponsor page clicking on that logo for dogs are treat and we are going to be rolling out a special code for all of our listeners june we we made the the discount code available for our patreon sponsors but we are going to be rolling out a new code for all of our listeners that you can go through our website and get a 10 percent discount so watch our social media for that we're going to be announcing that new code here immediately and you're going to be seeing uh great benefits from paws are protected build your pack from the ground up another exciting announcement that we have we are partnering with stick boat outdoors the creators of the hound journal and the hound records book bart hogue and i had a conversation this week and we are going to be doing a collaboration with them and directing our listeners to stick boat outdoors so that they can benefit from this records keeping these record books are and log books especially are going to be heirlooms you can write down all the information on on your hunts document training sessions and then go back and look at those and not only that but your kids your grandkids can look at these things and they can see how you hunted what your lifestyle was all about so don't miss that opportunity we'll be rolling out that announcement if you haven't already seen it very soon i'm really excited about this interview i hope you enjoy it thanks for spending your time with us on houndsman xp how do i look i actually you look good good i sound yeah. uh, sexier than i thought i would me too you do. absolutely I, agree. I can't i can't disagree <laughs> I'll dedicate one to the ladies. Well, that was fun, guys. I'll go ahead and stop the recording. Okay, we're good. <laughs> hey, we did it. That's a good job. It's, it's Man, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're gonna we're gonna record this podcast and and uh, I'll just lay it out for everybody. We've got uh, Shane Coons and Steve Slack here, and uh, two longtime friends of mine, and uh, Steve's family by marriage, right. and. Uh, Shane is too, really. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, lay this out a little bit, but uh, Stephen, the reason I have you guys on here is because you guys grew up the old. I, I think that you guys, that we together, we're all the same age. Right. You know, man, it's getting tough when we look around this area. I worked here for 30 years, and even when I got here, it was it was still an outdoors 
type community, a lot of people hunting and, and different stuff like that. And I, we've all sat around and talked about this a million times about property being broken up and, and things like that. And it's just, you guys have lived it your whole lives. How long have you two been friends? Man. Middle school, middle probably. School, yeah. yeah. yeah we've known each other our whole life, you know, because all through school and yeah. from school on. Yeah. Became probably good friends middle school mainly probably right right then you started dating my I sister i started dating his sister i was <laughs> i had to ask for for, for permission yeah first, right but uh did you ask yeah. for from steve he did kind of yeah he kind of did just yeah. to make sure it didn't like mess yeah. up our friendship he yeah. did i remember that yeah, yeah. that's right would be fun. cool about it 30 some years later we're still together so that, that worked out and we are too yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And then my wife is cousins with you, Steve. Correct. Right. And uh, cousins with your wife. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, I met Shane. I probably met both of you when. About the same time. When Woody, you know, David. Right. Our buddy, David Hewitt, who I'll throw out a thing for him right here. I mean, he's the reason why this podcast exists. He's Mm -hmm. the one that uh, got me. Uh, listening to podcasts and got me thinking about developing a podcast for houndsmen and uh, then of course uh, he never got to hear it because he was killed in 2018 right yeah on my birthday True. and uh, uh, pretty sad or that's the day we that's the day we buried him mm-hmm. on my birthday right but uh, right there at it <clears throat> so he brought me down here we were going to college together and uh He's like, hey, you want to go home with me this weekend? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll go check it out, you know. And coming down here and spending some time running around with you, some Steve, and, mm-hmm. and meeting you. I remember mm-hmm. meeting you, Shane. You didn't right. say shit with a mouthful no, in this house the whole time. <laughs> uh-uh. But That's you had an impressive beard. Well, you had the red beard going on. Now it's gray. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just fell in love with the culture here. It was, it was small town USA and... Mm kind of made it a personal goal of mine if I ever had the chance to come here and live the, as, and, and be assigned here as a conservation officer. That's what I wanted to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And a uh, few, few years later, it happened. So, yeah. And then we just kind of took off on a friendship. You were kind of mysterious in the beginning, Steve. You were kind of like you were. The, yeah. The, lo- the kind of the rep, the loner guy. You were the loner <laughs> guy, so for sure. I still am, maybe to a point. Like, well, know, I think we all are. Kind we of are. Our, all three personalities right. are very similar in that respect. We do a lot of our hunting and stuff. We do by ourselves, you know. And yep. But at you know at the same time, it's hard to believe that you can get the three of us in the room together and kind of be serious. True. <laughs> That's what I'm kind of struggling with now. <laughs> I grew up with Steve, and, you know, we had a tough time in school together. Oh, yeah. You know, we couldn't sit by each other. Do you remember the night that Steve and I came out and corned the garage? You remember that? You were living over on Pleasant Ridge. Sure, of course, yeah. No, you don't. Do you remember it? Oh, yeah. So we go sneaking up there, and somehow you knew we were coming. I wonder how I did. I have no idea. Who lets the cat out the bag? I don't know. What's up, man? The son, the son Nick yep. is here. Shane's son. So Nick, we're recording a podcast, man. Yep. 
So, uh, but we snuck out there that night on Halloween, and we're thinking, we're thinking, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna sneak up here and, and corn this garage, and it was a metal building, so we knew it'd make all kinds of racket. Oh, yeah. As soon as that corn touched that building, Shane comes running out with that Winchester thirteen hundred and fires two shots in there, and we're like, oh, oh yeah. holy crap! You remember that? Yes, he had to know. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well. <laughs> Yep. You threw my bachelor party for me, Shane. I did. I yep. remember. Yep. It was a good time. I do remember. So you guys tell me about, you know, just give me some memories and talk to me about, I want to, I want the listeners to, to hear what I fell in love with here. You know, you know, what was a childhood, childhood like living here, Steve? Yeah, living in a simple, small community, you know, and you knew everybody. Which kind of—it's still really not much bigger population-wise, but you don't have that. Same. Why? Why don't Why don't we know know people like we used to? I think it goes back to what you said earlier. Lot so much that the old farms are broke up, and now are you know multiple housing and newer people have moved here. You know, but really population, I don't think is much different. Really, and I know it's not in the city limits at all. Because you're the mayor. You're, yeah, right. You're actually the mayor of, of Mayberry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> of Rising Sun. Right. Shane, you were a commissioner here, uh, right. county commissioner. Yeah. So you guys haven't just been passive residents of Ohio true, County, Indiana. True. You guys have been, been active in the government part yeah. of it, right? Yeah. But tell us what tell tell me tell our listeners tell our li- I've heard it so tell yeah. our listeners what it's like growing up in Rising Sun, Indiana. Probably to me as much as anything, the fact that I was always. Uh, from an early age, the outdoors was my thing. Uh, trapping was the big one. Fur trapping was as, as big a part as anything, really, from the time I was, you know, 10 or 12 years old. And in this area, you could jump on a bicycle and ride anywhere up down the roads and with a rifle on your back. Oh, that's crazy. You know, yeah. and, and no one thought anything about well, well, it, right? Well. And um, you knew everybody, so there was, you know, everybody knew who you were. And you, property owners... Whatever you did, you were welcome. You know. Did you that. even ask permission to trap back in those days? No, not really, because most of it was on the big farm, Turner Farms, and places like that. That yeah. you know, around here, local to Rising Sun, that that you were very familiar with the people and they with you. You weren't a stranger if they saw you out in their field. They're no, like, oh no, there goes that little kid that lives mm-hmm. over on Wilson Street. Yeah, what's his name? Steve. Right. Steve yeah, Slide. Right. Yeah. Or even a group of boys. Yeah, right. you yeah, know, right. two or three of you with rifles on your shoulders, you know, and riding around on bikes. But in today's world, that would be quite. You know, it shouldn't be alarming. No. But it would be a different. It'd be looked at differently, right? I think so. Yeah. Unfortunately. Right. You know, here I think especially. Right. Right. True. Yep. So, what was it like as you grew into a teenager? Because you've lived here your whole life. You've never lived anywhere Similar else. Similar thing. Real, things really weren't. I mean, it, you moved to Patriot. Did you move to Patriot? No. I've lived in a couple. Me and Woody had a house together a time or two. And, yeah. You know, things like that. Um, but for the most part, I lived right here. You've never changed your zip code? No, it's always been here. Okay. Right. Yeah. I didn't know if you, if you no. ever ventured out. No. Nope. I've always been rising sun. Really, yep. I never really lived in the county. You always lived in the right, county. I he lived did. In the county, so it was a little different. I was always the town kid. Right. You know, right at the edge. But back then, town. You know, my yard right across the fifty-six. We were in the crop ground then, and 
farm country and where the boat is now and so on you know it was none of that was developed right so you had a lot of opportunity i remember your brother staying. yeah very fortunate to just like within you know a rock's throw from home of doing things i remember stan talking about riding his bike up to camp shore mm-hmm. to the pool because mm-hmm. that was the only pool around right and camp shore was a summer camp even where didn't the reds come down and yeah, there is history on that. It had like a training camp. That's what actually it was kind of, I think, started it. Right. Started like some of the construction and things they did then. Cincinnati Reds were using mm-hmm. that as a summer training camp, so they, they had a pool, and it was right back in the day it was cutting edge, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Stan would ride his bike from your house up to Camp Shore, which was what, th- three miles maybe? Yeah, every bit of it, yeah. probably, I'd say. And And – to think about riding a bike up State Road 56 now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't let your kid do that. No, I, did no. the, I did the same thing in the mornings before school to check my traps. I would ride as far as close to that, Bellevue Lane, and then in and out of the fields and do it, you know, with a night with a hunting light on my head. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I remember the night that the gambling boat opened. Bob Blair and a couple others of us were coming back from the Eastern Primitive Rendezvous in Virginia, and we hit Aurora coming in 56, and there were – it's like a traffic jam. I mean, I'd never seen that much traffic. We're like, what is going on? And then it dawned on us that – That was started. The Grand Victoria had opened, (coughs) and it has changed changed everything here. Yeah, that did. That brought the traffic, didn't it? it but that did. was later in life, really. Yeah. You know, it's been it's been right. what twenty, however many years now. Ninety. Well, it was uh, fall '96. We yeah. were in Wyoming. Yeah. When it opened. Right. Trap and Coyotes. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. It had been like o- yep. September, October '96. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It opened while we were gone, didn't mm-hmm. it? Does that sound right? Yeah. That's, I yeah. think that's the right date. Yep. Because I was in Virginia. You guys were in Wyoming, mm-hmm. and, and then I remember when you guys got back, we were like. Where did all these people come from? Right. Yeah. <laughs> You've got used to seeing that now, the traffic. It's, yeah, it's amazing what you get used to. And but we used to duck hunt there. That was like our hot spot. Right where that is. Right where the boat where is. That boat right is. That, yeah. I oh, killed yeah. my first rabbit there. You know. Yeah. All that was true. Yeah, that was your first rabbit. You remember we were driving down McConnell Lane one night or mm-hmm. one morning. We were out calling coyotes and mm-hmm. doing different stuff. And uh, we got to the end of McConnell Lane. That coyote ran out of the bushes and started streaking across the field. Right. And uh, I can't remember what, but you were like, oh, you know, and yeah. jump out of the jump <laughs> out of the truck him. and yeah. trying to get him, you sure. know. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, you guys used to run around, and we'll talk about maybe some of the dark side shame, but let's talk about the Sunday supplements when you guys were. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Are we allowed? Yeah, we can. It's, you sure. Yeah, the statute of limitations is up. Okay. I've already told told them myself <laughs> My for different gosh. stuff that I've done. No, no. <laughs> Riding around the old seventy one station wagon. Yeah, that was that was the. How old were you guys? Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. yeah. Just got your license. David, he would have been seventeen. He might have been right. seventeen at that right. point. Whose station yeah. wagon was it? Ours, Dad's. Dad's. So if it got impounded, it was Russell, a warmint rig. Yeah. Yeah, Russell was coming if if he got impounded. A, it was set up right, you know, because it had all the windows were power, and you could open all the glass so you yep. could shoot any direction. It was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> Groundhogs and, you know, whatever. whatever. 
pulling yeah. over and just pull over and shoot. And back then, um, the, the odd thing about it, you know, we're looking at it now, was the average farmer wouldn't have given any thought either when he saw a car stop. You were doing him a favor. Pull over and right. shoot a groundhog while it was right. alfalfa field right. or a crow or yeah, other things. Other things like <laughs> things that yeah, Jake's got a Jake's, things that eat other things. Yeah. Jake has got a picture. My son Jake has uh-huh. got a picture of uh, Daddy Whittem. I bet I know where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah. Daddy Whittem, which mm-hmm. is his great grandfather. That'd be his great grandfather. That would be. And he was uh, with the game warden at the time, and they've got pictures. These pictures. Uh, this picture shows three guys with shotguns and 22 hornets and different things, and the hawks strung up on on the wire behind the them. That's true, a bunch yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was actually a bounty on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just shows you how much stuff has changed. And I've said this on this podcast before, but once you put something on the, on the protected list, it's impossible to bring True. them off. Not that we need to bring them off or anything right. like that, but it's just an example. Yeah. But there I is the use. argument that like predatory birds, nothing preys on them really, so it kind of things could get out of balance, couldn't they? Right, you know, right. Yep. They could, but uh, uh, a lot more things are happening than, than predatory birds that are affecting Def- hunting. Yeah, yeah the habitat sure. loss would be your, that's your big one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. More than predators, I agree. Yep. Habitat loss, uh, access, you know, things like that are the big ticket items. So, Shane, let's hear about your your childhood. Your your dad and I were, became pretty good friends sure, yeah. over the years. Well, I'm a little different than Steve. I grew up out in the county, so I was kind of by myself more often. Uh, childhood, I mean, Red Rider, hanging around the barn lot, shooting birds. Yeah. Yeah, so, it all know. started with BB yeah, guns. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, as he got older, of course, Dad, he hunted, squirrel hunted, deer hunted a little bit, uh, you know, but nine years old, I remember going out with my dad, 410. He was a coon Jim, hunter, too. Squirrel, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was in the coon hunt more than anything. He was. And um, I, I wasn't, you know, at a younger age. Now, as we got older, yeah, you know, we kicked it in a little more. Take his dogs, we would. Yeah, he had, you know, growing up, I remember one good Real good dog mm-hmm. he had, but uh, you know, at that time, you know, my curfew was midnight. But Same. We, if if Same. a coon hunted, there wasn't a curfew, <laughs> so maybe took a little advantage so of some, that. So maybe you were coon hunting more right, than, and then maybe <laughs> fox calling. As you say, coon hunting with with your fingers. Uh, yeah, right, yeah, they can't exactly. see that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah apostrophes around coon yeah, hunting. So that, uh-huh. that seemed to work out pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, that was that, you know. Uh, archery become a love of mine, mm-hmm. you know, early early on. Yeah, probably. you really did. You've yeah. killed more stuff with a bow than smallpox, I'm telling you right now. Well, yeah, he has. Yeah, he's done a few yeah. arrows, but that's. Yeah, you know. he's adept at it for sure. Yeah, you're gifted when no, it comes, when it comes uh, to bow hunting. It, it just, I enjoyed it. Maybe thanks to, I don't know. Back in that day, I don't even know what brought it on. Probably the Dukes of Hazard, you know. Shooting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shoot, shooting them flaming arrows, and dynamite. And maybe Rambo with a Razorback Five exploding yeah. broadheads. I don't know. But, right. You know that was younger years and back then. No, no food plots. No, no food plots. You know, no nothing. Permanent no. stands and think yeah. of the old way yeah. how you used oh, to do yeah. stuff. Yeah. Stuff nailed up in trees and taking right. your life in your own oh hands. Oh my gosh! Every time you how are we there. here? <laughs> 
Oh, you didn't have it. enough. You didn't have enough two by fours to make all the steps, so it was like five nails. Feet. Put some nails. It'll be yeah. all right. Or you, yeah. you nail them five feet apart and you mm-hmm. reach them way up there mm-hmm. and shimmying up trees. And couldn't get high enough. No. What was a safety harness? You know. Yeah. No. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it worked out. It's all good. You grew up though putting hay up in barns with horses and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Your my dad, dad farmed with yeah. horses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he. He coon hunted a lot, like I said, and then, you know, got into the mules. You know, he coon hunted off mules. And, but all my life, you know, we raised garden with a horse, horse and mules and did a lot of stuff that uh, most people didn't get the chance to do, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't push that on anybody. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably weren't. That's probably why I don't like him. But, uh, He's good with them. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He knows, knows but, horses. Uh, <laughs> no, that was, that was quite a job, but that was his passion. Well, the reason I brought that up is to give an idea. I mean, we're only 50. Yeah. You know, early right. 50s. Right. True, right. true. And it's not that long ago. No, it's you not. Know, it's no. really not that long ago that no. you were farming with horses, and, you know, our only tractor was a Farmall H. Right. You know, and. and uh, I was dreaming of a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Trust me. Did you so? Did you ride? You ride behind the horses and cut hay and. I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plowed with them. Yep. Yep. He tried to get me interested, man. I just couldn't do it. I was into sports and stuff too. Then. Yeah, he right. was. I was. Shane was a good athlete. No, yeah, oh yeah, he was. Yeah, but, he's um, definitely a good athlete. Those, still that, is. Yeah, he's still is. like a monkey. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The outdoors kind of drew me away from that. It did. You stuck with it for a little while. For a little though. while, yeah. Yeah, and then it was take well, too, too much of my time. So I, mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Okay, so, you know, I've noticed that as much as my life has been consumed by hunting and outdoors and even made a profession out of that, mm-hmm. you know, I see the desire in my son a lot lower than where I wish it would be. Mm-hmm. I would agree. And... So, do you think? Do you think all that exposure? You know what? Why did you not take up the horseman lifestyle? I mean, because your dad's like a mule whisperer. I mean, he is. He is. He, is, he knows he is. what a horse and a mule is going right. to do before it ever does it. I want to get him on the podcast to talk about mules. Right. Sometime. That'd sure. be good. That would be. But you're right. Um, my exposure to that was, man, that was. For me, I didn't enjoy it. Um, it was, to me, it was more work. Yeah. Now, my dad, he just loved it. I mean, like you said, he was a mule whisperer. Yeah, where he, he could have used a tractor in yes. modern times, oh, yeah, but he yeah, chose yeah. horses. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we were sitting the back at one time with horses, and you could have, you had to be an octopus to get them plants in the ground. Right. You, you couldn't go fast Because the speed enough. was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so, but, you know, it was it's something a, I'll never forget. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, like you were saying about your son, you know, is that desire there for hunting? Um, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, to me, we grew up, everything was so, it was hard. I mean, I remember going hunting, your no good boots. <laughs> no. Boots, your feet, your feet freeze freezing. Freeze to death. Recycling, recycling yeah, your dad's yeah, old shoes. Yeah. Junk, junk clothing, junk gun. I mean, your equipment, yeah. too. Yeah, like how'd I you kill anything? Started hunting with a 16-gauge Stevens mm-hmm. brake action, you know, throwing just the old punk and slugs where you couldn't right. hit the wall with it from 50 feet. No. Yeah, inside this garage, you couldn't <laughs> yeah, hit a wall. Right. But when you did, oh, man, yeah. that was great. Yeah. 
you'd accomplish you were, something. Yes, you did. You, you remember how cold you would get when you uh, that, Oh, yeah. my gosh. Well, our kids way. actually had, you know, better clothing when they started hunting, you know, when you took them for, for the sure. most part. I wonder if we haven't if we haven't made it too easy for them. I've thought of that, too, how... We've talked about this. Yeah, like where we kind of, you... It right. ain't like you were by you just were put by yourself for the most part. Right. My brother yeah, yeah. started me as far as you know to think about deer hunting. You sat there and till he come back and got me, and so you had to make all the decisions. Um, again, no food plots, no scout. You weren't like what we've done when we right. took our kids. You pretty much knew when you went and set up to a spot that they probably were going to get a shot at right. something. Yeah, right. So, but to kind of at that point, they're kind of more just like breaking a trigger sear without mm. that's about all that they're doing at that point they didn't have the whole right so maybe it was too easy like we graduate up to that from but we couldn't wait for them to pull that to do that on. we right. couldn't wait i mean it was killing me i, I mean, did the same thing start way too early you know, probably right but. you know do all the scouting set the blind i remember the first turkey jake shot you want them to be successful yeah you yeah, want to you want to see them successful and so you pour everything into that but i often question myself if i didn't make him if i didn't let him have enough investment right. in what he was actually doing. to do that yeah yeah and i wonder if that you know it's like yeah you know but we graduated up to everything like that we, we worked did. for it we yeah. made an investment and yeah. we developed our skills and and uh and and got hooked. We did. We yeah. got hooked. We had the passion first, and then we figured out how to do how it. How to do That's it. it. And That's I wonder it. if I wouldn't just been better handing him a, you know, an old single shot twenty two rifle and two mm-hmm. bullets and say go kill go, kill, go till, kill two squirrels. Don't right. come back without two squirrels. Right. Right. You know. Then you I don't know. I know. Yeah. And maybe and then today's generation too has a lot more uh, distractions too mm-hmm. that we didn't have, maybe. And whether it's good or bad, you know, I think, um, you know, I was close with my dad back then, but not as close as Nick and I are. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah. I, you just strive, you know, when you're that close, you just want them to do better. It doesn't matter if it's hunting, baseball, basketball, soccer. It oh, doesn't yeah. matter. It's all the same. So, you know, you put all that good equipment in front of them and mm-hmm. training and, you know, you wonder sometimes do you burn them out. Yeah. And that's, you know, you, yeah. hope, you hope not. Yeah. Yeah. Something we we will reflect on. And I guarantee you, though, I think our kids and your kids, too, Steve, with your girls, I've seen pictures of them with, you know, shooting and doing different stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to know who cared about them and, right. and who made those investments. So I don't think it's a mistake. I, I just, mean, neither. No. no. I don't think it's nobody's at fault there. No. no, either way is a good way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I just, do. I just. It, it probably made us though have more of that passion to it, even yeah. as we got, you know, into being adults and. Yeah. Well, we haven't given up the passion. Either, we still haven't. Yeah, right. true. You right. still, as long as you can still do these things, you have a drive to right. do it. Yeah, we're still. That's what we say all the time. And when we were, when I was a conservation officer, you know, hunting. You can play baseball, you can play basketball, you can even try to hang on by playing in the softball league and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, the outdoors hunting and fishing is a lifetime sport. It is. You know, you can just be involved in it forever and and pass it on. True. It's. it's, uh, it's, I I feel a little bad about what you just said. You stopped at softball. You didn't go on to golf. (laughs) I won't talk about golf. We don't talk about golf. Okay, come on. I'll be like Clay, I know, 
Clay Newcomb, we don't talk about golf on this podcast. I know my man meter has gone down <laughs> since I started, but yeah. That's uh, funny. That's good. Do you play golf with him, Steve? No. He tries to get me to, and I might at some point. With it's hunting. hunting. You're looking for your ball. That's all I do. <laughs> yeah. It's hunting. I even have a pistol on me, so. <laughs> but uh, with my other hobbies, I just haven't wanted to donate the time to because I know what will happen if I start going with him and all the other things that we've always done together. I'll be consumed with it sickness. as well. Yep. It become a sickness to me, and then that's just one other thing I got to. Have you still got the, the Patriot Outlaw decoys? Yeah, somewhere. They're up in oh the shop. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Remember the obsession we had oh with gosh. waterfall hunting for a oh, while? Oh, yeah. Man, it was. We ran that in the ground, too. Oh, every day. <laughs> you know, every day oh, yeah. we're talking about duck hunting spots. Mm-hmm. But Always looking for the next day while you know yeah. while you're doing it. Yeah, we're out scouting and we'd be calling each other. Yeah, I saw some geese landing over here. We're going to, right. you know, we need to get in there in the morning. And and then the, the end of all that was the, what year was that, 97 when we had the flight? It was yeah, late 90s. Maybe. And it, it went on for just a year or two yeah. and it was just. Then like, everybody became a duck hunter. Right, yeah. And the boat ramps were crowded. Right. And if you weren't there at 3.30 in the morning, you were watching people go up the river and set up in your spots. And Yeah, it just kind of got disheartening more. To, yeah. Because yeah, it was more relaxed before that. Yep. And, and of course, people out in Arkansas and places like that have been dealing yeah. with that stuff for years. Where there were ducks, yeah, yeah. Right, where they have flight, which here it's a rarity anyway. But the Patriot Outlaw, that's a funny that's a funny deal. I had Willie Romans. Yeah, that's who we bought yeah. him from. And he was, yeah, the whole story on that was the guy that made him. And he was, of course, from Patriot. They were plywood. With a little wood stick. Silhouettes. Oh. They weighed. Heavy. Six of them weighed like 20 ten pounds. pounds. Yeah, 10 pounds apiece. Yeah. Yeah. insane. And they weren't yeah. even painted really that accurate. No. they were. But, <laughs> but we strung them out there, and we mixed them in with oh, yeah. with the outlaw silhouettes and the the real geese silhouettes and different things that we had full body decoys and it probably confused them enough it worked man yeah we it was the holy grail <laughs> it was <laughs> <laughs> no doubt oh man we should all put one in our front yard got all that stuff still we should yeah we should all get a, a memorabilia. Patriot Patriot Remind me, I'll look for them and get drag them down. That whole yep. up above my shop. Heather brought that up the other day. My wife, that you got how much duck hunting stuff do you eat? Waterfowl stuff do you even have? And I was like, I don't even. It's just tons. Yeah. You still got it all? Oh yeah. You got the Southwester? Oh yeah. That old hat started leaking finally though. Did the, it? Yeah, the Gore-Tex started opening up. But were you with us on the? Were you there on the hunt when the boat broke down up Hogan Creek? Yeah, the, yeah. Were you on that deal? Yeah, yeah. Had to use the <clears throat> my shotguns. My 870 for a paddle. Oh, yeah. Mine too. Yeah. Yeah. Water yeah. pump impeller went out. Yeah. Reeled it to the bank, and then we walked, come up kind of out like edge of 350, didn't we? Walked into town. And we did, we did get, I think we got your boat or something to tow it back mm-hmm. with, didn't yeah. we then? Went and got my boat, towed it back to the ramp, loaded Probably it Probably missed up. a good hunt. Some guys on up in the creek killed a bunch of birds that same Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. We had it all scouted out, ready to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we found out they got them, and we didn't. <laughs> and then when you broke, your boat was broke down still. We still went out the next weekend. Motor wasn't even running. That and was we, smart. That was smart, yeah. Shot some ducks. Thought we'd go paddling out after them. Now another duck hunter had to bring, her, bring us back. He had to pull us back. I missed that. Yeah, we chased a, yeah, we chased a, a cr- uh, had a crew. We wasn't in a good spot for you, so. 
We had a we had a cripple. <laughs> we, were, we were pushing it. Shot a cripple and then yeah. got out in the main stream of the river. And the motor wasn't yeah. fixed yet, no. but we still had to go. I was waiting on the parts for it. So we. Yeah, let me let me stop right here and just tell people where we're at. So Ohio County, Indiana, borders the Ohio River. Right. Th- about thirty five miles downstream from Cincinnati. That's yeah. so, right. I mean, the river's big here. Right. And in the wintertime, it's got some serious current to mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. go ahead. So we get out in the main stream of the river and just we get long ways oh, from. Yeah. Well, then we, we gonna we're going to have to get back to the mm-hmm. truck. We've got our thumbs out. <laughs> Somebody come by. It's hiking on the river. Another another waterfowler or something and towed us back. I remember him saying, like, why'd you get out here? The funny thing about it, the, out, the motor was kicked up and the, the transmission wasn't even on it. Right. He goes, why'd you? <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't you? Why were you out here with no motor? Like, well, waiting on parts, we started to hunt. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Uh, he yeah, towed probably us back. at the time, maybe I shouldn't have known about that. Probably not. Yeah, it might have been in the wrong. Where was it at? We were, little, we were pushing it a little bit. Yeah, probably pushing sea limit boundaries to... a little bit. <laughs> I got you. But it helped everybody else, too, because we kept them know, moving. We had it, yeah. We kept them away from where they were wanting to go anyway. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Aurora? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> you knew it. Oh, man. <laughs> Could have threw a rock and hit us. Yeah. <laughs> did, I, did I look at you that day? You might have. <laughs> I was probably if I wasn't there, I was we probably just went working. driving by. Yep, I was probably working. So, yeah. oh man, that's funny stuff. That's real funny. But uh, so, when you talk about, of course, this is a Houndsman XP podcast. Yeah, we'll get into yeah. that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Too. I mean, you guys have been. <clears throat> I had a couple dogs, and well, Shane. His dad, you know, had the dogs. Of course, we would take that out, like he spoke about earlier, go coon hunting on occasion. And then Andy McKinley. Yep. Another good friend. That his grandpa was a lifetime coon hunter, was best friends with my grandpa, actually. So, had a lot of history. And Ralph Nickham. Ralph Nickham, right. Always yep. had. And so, Ralph would, I went with Andy a lot, you know, from like middle school on, you know, when he was old enough to really want to go. And. During stay all night with Ralph and Andy and I both would his grandpa and then he'd take his coon hunting and so that was always you know that was always on weekends when he was there and that started that and Andy always kept dogs I think even afterwards to a point yeah we hunted for years together yeah after you, you I was did here. yeah right ran around all over the country all the way down to Georgia and I mean all over the country hunting right yep. black and tans is what Ralph's always but the best dog Ralph ever had was a blue tick blue tick named Babe. That yep. I ever hunted with, old female. And then I did have a couple of dogs in high school, a couple of walkers that didn't turn out to be much, but we did hunt them. Well, tell me about some of the hunts you had with Ralph and that those those dogs back in the, back then. What kind of you know feelings you have about hunting and and what do you remember about it? That was pretty. Most of the time, it was right from the farm. Most of the time, we never went anywhere. Just uh, walk out, you know. and Andy and I would would stay in the barn like kids do anyway, and sleep out there when we were kids. And and the one old blue dog was loose all the time. We would just got dark and just walk from there. Very seldom hauled them anywhere. So that blue tick was running loose around the farm all the time. All the time, never put up. But but, she was a pretty old dog actually then. But she knew when it got dark, and oh yeah, you know just by your actions, 
hey, put, we're putting the lights on, as you guys all know, you houndsmen, the dogs, it's a whole different. They they turn on when they see you getting that stuff out, don't yep. they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was always neat to me as a, as a little boy then because I didn't have none of the stuff, you know, at that point. And, and Andy and Ralph had wheat, wheat lights were the big one then, yeah. you know. the 5,100 heads. Yep. Yep. The wheats with the. Had to put water in the batteries, yeah, keep right. the water levels right in the batteries and stuff. They had a window on the side right. of them so you could see the water mm-hmm. levels. And, and then in eighth grade, uh, and we did go elsewhere, too. We had, Joe Brady was, not, was Ralph's friend, and he always had dogs. You knew Joe. Yep. And we hunted with him some, and as we you know, as we got a little older, but then we did drive and haul the dogs. And In eighth grade, we went to Black and Tan Days. I was going to ask you if you ever made the trip. In, it was in Illinois. Right yep, for Illinois. That was a big deal. That was a lot of fun for us. My parents stayed for two or three days or something, took the trip. I was, many, in, I was in eighth grade when we did that. How many people were there? Well, it seemed like a million to an eighth grade boy. I don't know. You know it's been yeah. a lot. Yeah. We didn't We didn't actually cast out and go hunting at the time, you know. I, I don't. Joe may have took dogs. I don't really, I don't remember, though, him doing that. I think it was just more of a. For the, they were old then. Those guys were already pretty old, you know, the grandpa and, and Joe. And well, so you were in eighth grade. Yeah, so, so they, pro- they were they? probably like, they were probably 30, but they seemed old. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. <laughs> You're, yeah, yeah. But they were still his grandpa, you yeah. know. That, uh, yeah, they were probably today. 50. Probably like were. Probably still, they were still working. Yeah. So they seemed like old men, but yeah, they actually probably weren't. You know, Black and Tan Days is one of those events. Is that, that still big or not? Oh, my goodness. It's still huge. And. Of course, this year with the Kung Flu and the COVIDs and all that mm-hmm. stuff, they didn't have it. But I bet that's the first time they didn't have it in right. since inception, mm-hmm. the Black and Tan Days. And and uh, it's just like you said, not everybody that goes goes to hunt. You know, it's a gathering. It's a rendezvous. It's, it's like the old for us. It's yeah. like the old Trappers rendezvous right. from from the Rocky Mountain days, where mm-hmm. all these guys come from all over the country and. Every breed has them, but black and tan days is kind of special. Is it really? It really is because it's been pretty much in the same place for I can't even tell you how many years. Uh, I've gone there. You know when it's going to be. It's always the first weekend of May, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be at Florida, Illinois, at Charlie Brown Park, and and it's a destination place for Mm – for uh, black and tan breeders and and a lot of coon hunters that don't even hunt black right right so i know how i felt when i first got there it was like coon hound extravaganza and i was into it man i was just like holy i didn't even know stuff like this existed you know it's like uh when you watch red fern grows and you think about billy going to the big coon hunt you know and all the excitement and hoopla going on with it that's what it was like for me yeah so how did you get to black and tan days this is I've heard Andy's Andy talk about riding on the hump. On the old pickup truck. Yeah, on Ralph's truck. Yeah. Regular straight cab truck. Oh yeah, just pile in there. And I think he might have had put a camper shell on it at times too. We did that a lot too back then, just oh, yeah. laying up well, we've I've rode to Canada in the bed of pickup trucks Wyoming a couple of times. Wyoming. <laughs> oh S- yeah. S ten. Three of us. I hope you don't have to stop quick. Yep, you're a torpedo. <laughs> <laughs> We rode around, in the, you did too, yeah. growing yeah. up, in the beds of pickup trucks a lot, didn't you? Absolutely. We need to start letting people, letting kids ride around the bed of pickup trucks right. again. <laughs> uh, yeah. You set clear up, set up, set on the bed rail a lot of yeah. times. Just oh, yeah. sat there. 
wave yeah. at people. Uh-huh. You ever hear the stories about the guy, the the guy holding a mattress and getting blown out of the truck, holding onto the mattress? It seemed like a big mm-hmm. childhood scare mm-hmm. yeah, tactic sure. when you're a kid. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so and so, I heard so and so got flung out of a truck, holding onto <laughs> a, a mattress. Well, to me, that's like he's a Darwin Award winner. You know, if he can't let go of a mattress and it flings him out of a truck, yeah, need to let go. Maybe he need to be weeded out of the herd. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. <clears throat> yeah, Ralph sold two wheel drive Chevy trucks while we drove up there. Yep. You know, back in the day, like when we coon hunted some, it was like we went to a farm, and you kicked the dogs out, and you walked, and you walked, you know, and followed a holler down, turn around and come back, and you hunted that farm. But then later on, like when you come around, it's like, nah, we're going to kick out at this culvert, that culvert, and you were more closer to the road. And for me, that scared me to death because if I took my dad's dog into that, He'd get run over for sure. So I was <laughs> petrified. Yeah. So whenever we went coon hunting, we did a long way walk, away from get everything. away from everything. Yeah, because yeah, the, the, mod- the other way is a lot more efficient. Way more efficient. Catching That's where stuff. they're at. Yeah, yeah. catching yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah, I think you know the difference. Dogs have changed as much as hunting has changed over I bet the years. So. Mm-hmm. And equipment. I mean, you can track them. And oh my goodness! Yeah, like, where they're at. It's amazing yeah. me when you go with Chris now. How. Mm-hmm. The ability to know right where your dog is yeah. and even pop up a, you know, a topo of, well, we'll just, right. we'll get in the truck and drive over here to where he is and not have to walk through 20 miles of woods to get to him. Right. That's, you know, that's kind of stuff. I grew up hunting the same way, you, you know, did, and, yeah. and it was just one of those deals. I know that when, you know, my first hounds, if they got 150 or 200 yards away from me, I didn't really know it anyway. Right. Because I couldn't look at them on that mm-hmm. screen and that mm-hmm. Garmin handheld, you know, now, you know, I can see, I can tell you how far they are. I can measure the distance from, from where they're at presently to the next busy road mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. So You just have to start walking to try to hear them, wouldn't you? Just oh, keep yeah. going until, yeah. yeah. When you think, I think I hear it, you know. And That's when you want a dog to check in. Ah. Yeah, short hunt one. Back then, like for us, yes. like yeah. you had guys that had dogs when you would mm-hmm. go that, that were better dogs right. really that got out and did more oh yeah but you didn't like really the one that went no. too far because it took too long to go find him you let chris's night. dog out he was gonna go tree a coon For i don't sure. care where it was he was gonna go tree a coon <laughs> yeah right yeah you hope it's not you didn't always hope that it's sooner than later where it's not right late. i still do yeah, especially as i, I get older yeah, i kind of yeah. like one one of those dogs that checks in down yeah heck yeah nothing. but uh those dogs were pretty more nonchalant mm-hmm. kind of just yeah you know, slower moving. They weren't as purpose driven. No, no, you no, not, they're not. You know, now everybody wants like your dog. They're it's a machine. They're a machine they when, they're, when they're trained right and the genetics in them. How I mean, it's 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 amazing to me now to go with him. Right, because dogs that are that yes. that good at what they do compared to like this year old farm dogs that we hunted with. Mostly was that, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, my whole life I remember my dad having one good dog, Rip, and yeah, Rip was a good Rip. one. Yeah. And <laughs> since I've known Chris. Kudos to you. Everyone he's ever had. Every dog I've ever been with with you is on fire. Compared, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, on I fire. No, seriously. Yeah, but no, it is, kudos it is. to you. You're, yeah, you're, seriously. You're the, they, they, uh, you're the train. You've, you've applied to that you and have. done well. Well, I think every one of us, you know, trapper, hunter, you know, deer hunter, especially archery hunter, mm-hmm. houndsman, you know, Woody was a fisherman. You know, he loved to fish. 
But it is neat the fact that we, we like we've all done some of everything though too. That's yeah. kind of neat too, really, yeah. if you think about it. Where you guys had a commercial. They're good at nothing. That's <laughs> no, jack of all trades, we master all, yeah. Enough. Yeah, master. That's enough. right. Yeah, That's even right. we yeah, we dabbled in netting, mm-hmm. hoop netting and yeah, we've done a little bit. You guys bit. had a commercial fishing. Oh career. my gosh. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you the next chapter. That's pretty chapter. smart. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's smart. Let me tell good you the move. next chapter. We need to start noodling catfish in the Ohio River. Putting plant right. the plant the box. Yeah, he what well, he was he plant the boxes ahead of time, That's right? That's cheating. No. That's how it's done. Wait eh? until you hook it. Wait until you noodle a catfish. You think it's cheating? Oh, I'd be. Man. I would probably try. I, what I wouldn't want to do is just reach up under like overhanging banks because what's going to be under there? You know, beaver, muskrat. We don't know. <laughs> That's kind of the crazy thing about it. You know, you don't know. The boxes though would pretty much be just a fish. I would. If think. you start noodling, I'll go golfing. Man, I'm just going golfing now. Do you think I'm going to go that direction? <laughs> he would do it. I saw him getting. I saw him pull, wait out in the pond, you know, and grab. Turtles. Snapping turtles. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's no big deal. No kidding. You'd be all about it. No, I'm trying to go the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in, though. Yeah. Yeah. We'll start noodling <clears throat> catfish. We'll, we'll get into that, and that'll be our we'll, – we'll run that in the do? ground. You, you build – are the dimensions like a certain – there's like, kind of like a way of building something that a catfish goes in. So a water heater tank, a 40-gallon water heater tank is ideal. And I've got a couple at the house. I found them way up a creek. I never did catch the guys, but oh, they had a minute, and you're not supposed to do it in a creek here, right? No. Once it breaks, some the, states you can. right? Yeah, Kentucky's legal, so we border Kentucky. Kentucky is legal, so anywhere below the low water mark in the Ohio River, it's legal to to hand grab or noodle <clears throat> catfish. So with the Kentucky license, we can go right out in the mainstream of the river and even set some some stuff up in the Kentucky creeks. But once you come up into Indiana. Then it's took all the fun out of it. Yeah, oh yeah, it's like it's like a buddy of mine from Kentucky. And really, says, what would that hurt? Yeah, nothing. Nothing fun is legal in Indiana. So, <laughs> so you take a water tank, a metal tank, and you cut a hole in it, a jagged hole, and you hope that a fish goes in there, and you stick your hand in a jagged metal. Hey, these yeah. are top. Huh? These are top <laughs> shelf tanks. Oh, maybe I'm you have off. the whole. No, end, no, no, You no. have the whole end open, or no? Just so hole? you just you just cut half of it out, like a half moon shape out of one side of it. Okay. And then you put some rocks in the bottom. You set it down there. You sink it, mm. and uh, everything. So you got the half moon. You got it all shaped where you want it. But these are top shelf tanks because they've got old garden hose. So you don't get okay. Right. Line in the hole. Yeah. And then zip tied around there. So these so were. These I were, can see blood on this. No, adventure. no, it's all, like, it's all beautiful. These were like okay. some contraband that people had put stuff that people had put out that you. Yeah. The one, the one where it was supposed to be. Yeah. In case you're listening to this podcast, they came from the bottom of Mexico Ridge, right there at the <laughs> confluence of Bear Creek, <laughs> and I've got your tanks. That's the old smallmouth spot. Yeah. Yeah. Right we used to do that. Got to yeah. weigh that in the spring. Yep. So. <laughs> I sat on those tanks for several days thinking I was going to be the first guy to like that. 20 or 30 years had made a noodling case in Indiana, you know. I, I, I bet I sat on those things a week waiting for somebody to come back by and stick their arm up in there trying to catch a catfish out of it. And I was going to jump out of the bushes and be like, <laughs> aha. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. What's the time of year that that's best? Are they spawning? June, Is there yeah. a reason for probably yeah. why they go? What yeah. goes in them? Yellow cat, flathead mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Flatheads, blues, blues. Blues do too. Yeah, you catch some blues out there, but we usually, we always turn the blues loose. Uh, there's a few bridge abutments and stuff over on the Kentucky <coughs> side that are 
that are excellent, you know, that mm-hmm. have some hollow spots up underneath. It'd be fun to try. Yeah, I mean. Because you pour right up, you know where it's you've at. You've done everything else, why not? Yeah, yeah. pour right up to it. That's the chapter. I'll, we'll watch Chris do it first. That's it. I, man, I'm out of practice. I haven't done it in years. I'm, but. Well, it has to be where, you know, you're touching. You're standing there, obviously. Yeah. And, yeah. But I've yeah. seen that, you know, we've all watched sure. things. Not where the guys actually, they'll put their head underwater. And, yeah, the, most of these tanks that we've used in the past, you never have to. To get clear under. No, you never have to go under. But. Would but, you put anything on your hands? Like, mm-mm. just barehanded? No. Nope. So you, so you reach in with a noodling stick. It's got a, I don't even know what size hook it is. It's bigger. And you <clears throat> stick in there, you can feel the fish striking at it, you know. So you got that stick in there. And uh, go up underneath the catfish, and you set the hook in it, and then you pull the stick out, and then you block the hole of the, the tank or the box or wherever you're at with your knees so he can't get past you. Because if he gets past you, he's going to come off that hook. Mm-hmm. So you block him. He's trying to. He's trying to get. And the males are usually the ones that are sitting on the nest. Oh, okay. The head out, protect the nest. Female will go in there and lay the eggs. Male comes in, fertilizes the eggs, and then they sit on the nest. But he's protective. You said it'll oh, yeah. bite at stuff. Blues are really are really. Blues aggressive. bite anyway. Yeah, I'm gonna guess he's pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He's like, "What are you doing here?" Blue yeah. and blues hard to get a hold yeah. of. The yeah. bite they're just harder to grab. So, so you block the hole. And then you play them out to the edge of the hole, and you're sitting there, and you're feeling inside that inside that tank, and you feel his head, and then a, a catfish has got a perfect lip that goes in and curves back, yeah. and you can just and that kind of hard edge there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you can reach in there, and now you've got a you've got that that groove behind his lip, and you can hook that dude. You got him by the you got him now inside there, and he can't really get crazy. You put a stainless steel big hook. It's like a three-inch hook with a keeper on it, and you just – And it latches. It latches. And so now you've got him on like a holocore rope. Mm-hmm. Then once he comes out of there, hang on. Then he's, yeah. Yeah, he's going to make you – he's going if you're not wet, from head to toe, you will be. <laughs> so I got a picture of Jake. He's probably waist high at the time. I've got a 52-pounder, I think, holding it up, and uh-huh. the fish is longer than he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I took him with me one time. It'll be fun. We'd try it if we had some. Yeah, sure. Done everything else. Next year. We'll do That's it the one year. thing we haven't done. Yeah, so. Yeah, I haven't. <laughs> so, Shane, when I met you, you had a black and tan dog. Yeah. Old Maud. I remember Maud. Yeah. Maud was stink. She stunk. Yeah. Yep. She lived in Whiskey Barrel. She did. She yeah. would tree once in a while. Oh, yeah. All yeah. of her dog. That's what they lived in. That, that was the. Uh, Sigrams. The dog boxes. Yeah. And they get were good. Get a, get they a were fresh good. whiskey barrel to have a cut a square hole in it. And my gosh, I don't know how they ever lived in it. <laughs> the fumes. The fumes were unbelievable. But yeah, from that may, may, Maybe that's why he never had a good dog. <laughs> <laughs> Could uh, but but they they except for Rip. But he, the, did, he didn't have a whiskey barrel. What kind of dog was Rip? Uh, blue tick, Walker mix. Yeah, that's right. He was a. What'd you like about Mixed it? Mixed old. He uh, checked in. <laughs> he checked in? He checked in, yeah. He, he was would, pretty straight dog, too. Yeah, and he was straight. Yeah. He was straight up. Yeah, he would always tree coons for mm-hmm. us. I remember one night, me and you were sitting there, and he come running by here just panting, panting. Come running by, never broke stride, dropped a possum right at our feet, and kept on going. He, was, <laughs> he knew he wasn't supposed to. Breathing he, heavy. Yeah. He sounded funny. Yeah. He just, right, yeah, just. Yeah, as he come in, he dropped And it. his possum was just sitting there at our feet, and he yeah. just went on. Like, why'd he do that? 
And then he went on tree to coon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But he caught. Yeah, obviously caught that possum on him. Yeah. And then just why, why well, did he bring it? Show it to us. Yeah. That's funny. That is funny. That's a good story. <laughs> it's a good old dog. Mm-hmm. He was a uh, Jeff Chase had. Was that a litter mate or real? Yeah, it was Denny's dog, Denny Brown. Denny Brown had a litter. Yeah, that's where it come from. It, was it? Just was Ted. Did yeah. he breed them on purpose or was it an accidental breeding? You know? Who knows? Were they brothers? Those two Rip and Ted? I bet they were. It was they about the same time because they seemed yeah. like Jeff had knew that. They looked yeah. the same. Mm-hmm. They were Walker, you know, Walker kind of the saddle on them, but then they had all that blue ticking mm-hmm. in them. And yeah. Similar built dogs. Both good ones. Jeff's was real yeah. good, too. It was the best, best dog Jeff ever had. Yeah. That same. It's funny. Genetics are a big yeah. key in that. Yeah. Yep. Well, why didn't you guys stay with Coon Hunt? It's hmm. a tough question, isn't it? That is a tough question. That is. I think I like to sleep. <laughs> I, I work. Work is why. Yeah. Because I had to go to work the next day. Yeah. That was it for me. Yeah, and I never did really, you know. I liked it when I went. Uh, yeah. To me, it was, I did, though, when I did hunt at night, though, I always, and again, we get back to that whole fur thing, I would, the predator hunt and stuff, like if mm-hmm. I just was kind of more, kind of always like that. Yeah. For, you know. Yeah. Of course, you know, coons are fur bear too. But. Yep. But drove, I'm just that curious. Drove me more white and stick with dogs. What kind of dogs? How would you describe the dog you, dogs you had, Steve? They were weren't bad. I didn't have them that long. Just kind of lived at home still, and then about the time probably I'd have been riding an adult and just got rid of them. One of them actually had some health problems. It had like seizures, epileptic or something. And then, was it a Walker? Mm-hmm. You know, I knew of. I've, and he would only, he would do it when he got excited. Like you would take you would go take him out, and about the time they started running or he got wound up, then he would going to a seizure usually just do it once and then he was okay the rest of the night but it seemed like it kind of became more prevalent his brother was the other dog was probably the he was okay but he was kind of he was, was mean towards other dogs mm-hmm. he was one of these hounds that yeah. uh, of course you guys that know how that you could have fixed that probably, probably. not i could have fixed it but <laughs> yeah. yeah probably wouldn't have been hunting him tomorrow night but yeah. he would he wanted to fight he <laughs> want you know he just he would always he wanted to fight a lot yeah. What yep. do you do, you know, when they got that temperament? Call. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah, really. Yeah, you really do. I mean, it's... it's I'm a, sure you've been... And it's probably... It's annoying to everybody else, too, when yeah. you have the dog. You got to take everything you in. You can't have it. I don't, no, I don't, I don't get wound up if if you're putting a dog box... If, if, if I show up at your house and we've never hunted together before, and my dog rode all the way down there in his space in the dog box and i open it up and i put your dog in then you kind of expect it a little bit probably. that's just natural stuff i mean if you if yeah. you put a bunch of guys a bunch of people in this room that have never met each other we're all going to be proving trying to prove you know right. who we are you know and they kind of are especially when you're especially when you're 19 i mean what's right. your 19 yeah. year old kids you yeah know? right they're all like oh puffing our chests out and yeah <laughs> i did this and i did uh-huh. that well, dogs, dogs are the same. There's a pecking order, so mm-hmm. I don't get real wound up. Now, if it's a continued problem, then... Or at the tree, some will do oh, yeah. it, too, won't they? Yeah, I mean, if you... You know. You mm-hmm. know when a dog's just... What likes to fight. Me. The mm-hmm. first dog I ever had was a red-tick coon hound, and he was a great dog until you got to the tree, and then he just wanted to... 
He didn't want a tree. He wanted to run around and mm-hmm. pick fights with mm-hmm. everything. And put up with that for a little bit, but eventually you gotta you gotta yeah. take them out. Yeah. You know, and that's just you don't it's not a it's not a trait that you want to breed into Mm-mm. anything. You and, don't want to continue it, no. No. So that's the tough part about being a houndsman at times is is And it might be a dog that does good at what he does, maybe, right? Yeah, I've seen be. some outstanding hounds that that uh you knew that have the bad habits. Yep. They've got some bad habits and you just got to decide whether it's – but tree fighting, and that that's one thing that most houndsmen won't tolerate. No. You know, especially – If you've been to competition, that's where somebody has one that keeps – I bet that really annoys everybody. Oh, yeah, they get yeah. scratched right away, and the registries are aggressive about it if you get scratched. It used to be twice. If you get scratched twice for fighting, then you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, you can never right. enter that dog again. Yeah. That makes sense. So, uh, it might be. be three times now. I'm not sure. Maybe it always was three times. I can't remember, but you've got maybe it's a three strike rule. But yeah, it's not something that's accepted. So no. time goes on, it'll probably be five or six strikes, and then you're out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the thing as with, far as like you asked me, like continue to follow. Just I don't know. Just did so many other things too. That that I mean to me, like to have dogs and to have good dogs, you have to. That has to be kind of your main. Yeah. Main per- the main, I mean, mm-hmm. like you've hunted, you hunt everything, you always have to, but I consider like I consider Chris a houndsman right. above everything else, like yeah. of all the outdoor things that mm-hmm. you hunt yeah. and fish and stuff, like that's your, and I think to to really, to be successful at that, that's what you have to do, you, you, that's the main thing, it, with dog, if it's dogs, it's got to be that, right. to have good ones. Yeah, yeah, you got to no be question. dedicated to it and, and stuff like that. So, the reason... The, one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you guys is because we all do have the same interests, but we specialize in different areas. Sure. But at the same time, you guys coon hunt with me. I trap with you. I've deer mm-hmm. hunt with you. You know, waterfowling together. Yeah, waterfowling. We've we done it all. Yeah, yeah. turkey hunting. Yeah, turkey hunting. A little hunt. bit of everything. Yeah. So nobody has bigels anymore, but that was <laughs> not too much. Yeah, well, we did that. You know. Yeah. For... Yep beagles we've hunted rabbits together and stuff like that so tell me about okay you're a trapper you know a lot of times you hear the the people say that that let me let me try to clarify this a little bit a lot of a lot of people have taken driven their stake in the ground with where they do what they what they enjoy and there's been a lot of this stuff going for years that trappers and coon hunters can't get along that coon hunters and deer hunters can't get along oh yeah that's and, right. and all of that stuff but i've never we've never experienced that no in this group no Mm-mm. how do you shane how do you feel about you know it, i know where you hunt i'm not going to tell everybody where you right hunt, no but, no but if i if you knew that i came down through there with a coon hound middle of the night in the middle <laughs> of the night but i mean where we live I mean, there's a, there's. I mean, we don't have great big farms, so it's no different than the guy I hunt on. He has cattle. He goes back there and, you know, walks through there and disturbs my deer habitat. So, you know, <laughs> does it hurt? I don't know. But it's his right. You're right, and everybody's right. 
we're all hunters. We have to. We're all on the same team. Period. Right. That's the period. thing. And there's. A lot. Uh, Let me ask. We you. have to. Yeah, we have to People embrace each took, other. People uh, took big game hunting too seriously, in my opinion, too. That's mm-hmm. the whole thing. It's all about, you know, it's like it, the the overthinking and the commercialization of right, it to right, the right. point of feeding to grow horns and right, this yeah. and that and the other. And they've got so so focused on that, it's like there's nothing else in the world to do besides hunting just deer, say. You know, and, and that's a good point, too. I mean, even looking at, like, watching the outdoor channels and all that, um, you know, we're always worried about inches. You know, how big is that deer? You know, you can't shoot one unless it's 150 inches. We don't live in Kansas. That's true. Yeah. We don't have very many 150-inch deer. I don't care what people say. Yeah, I've passed mm-hmm. up 140, 140. Well, I, you know, I hope he walks by my stand. Right. I'm not going to pass him up. It was funner when Kansas. Right. How many, what's the and it is funner. And it's better for our kids, too, I think. And it was funner when, when you were younger and didn't worry about it. Didn't even think if about it. If it was brown, it was down. Just it when, was you fun. Went, when you When you went deer <laughs> hunting, fun. wasn't it? Yeah. Where you didn't yeah. read too much into the sport? You know, Remember the doe, the doe hunt we did that one day? Uh, we, yeah, which one? <laughs> yeah, right. We, You and I were, it was raining. I was off work. You weren't working. Mm-hmm. We decided we were going to kill some does. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, we thought we'd just walk through a farm and kick right. a couple up yeah. and drop some. Yeah. We were going up Myers there and that doe jumped yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I you, remember that. But yeah. I remember yeah. about, about noon, you were like, man, this is a lot like work. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. We hadn't been having any luck, but, right. uh, let me ask you this. What's the biggest deer you shot? Uh, How many inches? 56, 58, something like that. 156. But right. Yeah. But he's yeah. got a bunch of good ones, too. Yeah. How many, deer, how many deer over 130 inches have you shot? I don't know. I don't know. Few. Bunches. A few. A few. You know, as I look around, we're sitting at this table, yeah. and I see pictures. I mean, that's what's cool about sitting here is you see all these pictures of all these friendships and different stuff, and I see you holding several deer, your kids holding deer, your friends holding big bucks. Um, and I'm talking 140 class plus deer on this these, this picture board here. You know, and, and that's why I wanted to have you on is to talk about how do we, why don't you get uptight about guys other, run, pe- other guys people out doing but, stuff? But you might have been on the next farm and bumped a 160 over on me. Yeah, you know, but you know, I don't know. And, yeah. and you're at night too. You really, know, it, yeah, as far you like, it, you had like, the, the kind of the that was a good point. The kind of the the friction between fur trappers and fur hunters. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, maybe it's not as bad now, but you know, guys like typically hound. You know, the trapper has a right to set traps, but the mm-hmm. houndsman has a right to run dogs. Just the same, you're in the same deal. Mm-hmm. I don't care if people run dogs on farms. I have coyote traps on. Oh, I hope that they know so they don't have the just the mm-hmm. the annoyance of turning their dogs loose. But other than that, I don't care. Yeah. But then yeah. on the same, you shouldn't be mad at the trapper for having no. traps out exactly. too. Exactly. Or steal his traps. Or take his stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've lost a lot of traps to houndsmen over the years because they just, they feel like or felt like at the time that it's still someone's property whether your dog stepped in it or not, right? Right. And yeah. So that was never right to, for them to do that either. How so. many we've turned dogs loose when we're when we're. Oh, how many dogs have I caught over the year? Oh or yeah, when we're trapping. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, you catch it. And you we've know. trapped dogs. We've we've caught the neighbor's cat. We've mostly just kind of feral mm-hmm. type dogs that shouldn't be out at large anyway. Typically, houndsman's aware of it. he's going to find his dog pretty soon. Take it out anyway. Right. 
exception will be snares and some of that stuff you could get into issues with. But but you don't snare a lot anyway. No, it's, you got to be real careful with that one for mm-hmm. that fact. Because I love dogs too, and you know that can be you might not get there quick enough on that. Right. Yep. Well, but, I caught my dogs too. Your own dogs. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Shane's trapper. About, he know. traps too, and he's caught his own dogs. My wife too. had had traps behind the house. My wife she had flu real bad. It was bad, and I went to work. <laughs> She calls me up, so-and-so, Amos won't come in. Where's that trap at? Go back to the end of the ridge. He's in it, guarantee it. So she goes back there. I can't get him out. I can't get him out. I'm coming. I'm coming. You know, she calls me back. I got him. Got it out. You know, so I was like, we're good. How often could no, I ask her, did she re- remake the it. set? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you she didn't think I was funny. No, I don't. <laughs> you know, as much as you've coon hunted, how often has your dog got, stepped in a foothold trap while you're hunting? I've never had a dog. See, so that shows mm-hmm. you. You know, trapping numbers, trapper numbers are going way well, yeah, down. Yeah, true. I that's mean, true that's too. obvious. If you'd have been coon hunting back in the late 70s during the fur boom. I was coon dog, hunting in the early were, 80s. Yeah, but and, you were, though. I guess true, too. But, the, you know, the, the tail end of the fur boom, but I've uh-huh. never had a dog caught in a foothold. Now, if I had, with my trapping experience, I know that that dog's going to be okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. If they're there all night, they're okay. Yeah. Just little, yeah, little, little, little mad. Little tender, Foot's a little yeah. tender-footed. But tender-footed yeah, yeah. And, and stuff but like that. But, uh, you know, trappers and, and houndsmen especially can coexist because a lot of the places that you trap. I can't till after deer season. You run mm-hmm. into that same yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. too. But yeah. it's also places, there are a lot of places that you're going to trap that I would never turn a hound loose. You know, you can go along 56, the busiest road in Ohio County between Aurora and Rising Sun, and set those culverts. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to coon hunt there because I'm not turning my dog loose there. Traffic's going to hit him. He's going to kill him. Mm -hmm. So you can can do that. And I think we just have to have that understanding that that there is a way to coexist here and not be be at odds. And, And we've always been able to do it. Right. Oh, yeah. And a lot of, I can't tell you how many hunters trap. That's in life, though, right? Yeah. You know, with everything going on, just <laughs> just get along. Yeah. It's okay. It ain't that hard. Yeah. Worry it's about not. your own business and That's not right. anybody else. That's, right. That's the That's key. Right. Just That's get right. along. Yep. I can't tell you how many times I've coon hunted right down, well, right I'm down sure. that hall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew Shane was deer hunting. That's right. I was yeah. like, I don't care. I'm yeah. a coon hunt. Running dogs at night through the woods, though, how does that really affect, you know, the deer hunting during the daylight anyway? I don't see that. That's no. a point at What about coyote? What about, Yeah. It seems like you, it seems like that you know you, you'll have that where we can't run dog you can't run dogs on the farm till January, you know because I because I'm deer hunting and I don't want my deer bothered. You, how many times do you run into that? Bunch. It's the same bunch. way with predator trapping. Everybody wants you to. They tend to think coyotes are the reason for their lack of deer, and I, I don't believe that it is. You know, predators and prey coexist. It's, um, but they won't let you do it till. January or February because of their deer hunting. So. Yeah. Well, uh, I also want to, you know, taking the devil's advocate to that, you know, a guy invests his money on property and he wants to manage it for deer. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I didn't buy the property. So I've and got all to, the money and yeah, the things right, that they've done. Right. You know, that's his deal. I mean, he's in there planting mm-hmm. his food plots and he's in there managing Putting and he's it, doing all this growing, stuff. Growing big bone. And and, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. whether you agree with it or not, that's his deal. It that's is, his property. Totally. So yeah. I'm going to respect it. it but is. at the same time, you know, I'm going to leave there scratching my head thinking, you know, 
it's really not going to affect anything. And I've even got science on my side to show that it doesn't mm-hmm. through studies and different stuff sure. like that. But he's the guy that ultimately has the right. decision, and I've got the responsibility as a houseman to respect it. Yeah, so, same way. Yeah, me too. Um, whether it's trapping or it's deer hunting or it's whatever. I mean, if it's snipe hunting. Right. You know, if you don't own it, you got to kind of go with. With what? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Ohio County is, we don't have any public property here. No, that's true. You know, you guys have made a, you guys have made a lifetime of hunting and fishing without any public property. True. It's tough now. You know, get into that a little bit, how now, and that's, to me, um, another point that's, it bothers me as time's on is, is the, everybody willing to have to pay. Right. And that's that's changed things. Heck right? yeah, it has. When everybody realized that You're talking I'll, about leasing, I'll mm-hmm. charge for someone mm-hmm. to have use of my property. Yeah, leasing to hunt and stuff, and uh, I don't blame them for doing it. I suppose you know, but then on the other hand, you know, makes it a little tougher to want you know. Yeah. Because we used to go all kinds of. You didn't right. have just one spot. Well, you're sitting by somebody. Yeah. You know, I got 50 acres here mm-hmm. across the road. There's 100 acres that was leased. You know, probably six years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I, that could be mine. Yeah. You know, so when he lost the lease, I jumped on it. Sure. Yeah. Because if I wouldn't have, somebody else was going to. Yeah, it's, it's got to it's that so point. convenient. It's right across the road from my house. Well, so, I don't blame you. You know, I, I, but I hate it. I mean, I really. Yeah, it's made a little, it's, it's, kind of it's took tough. It, yeah, it took it away from just the old just but relationship was, with people that you know and you just go hunt their property. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't for money. Right. Yeah. Our houndsmen in the in the South, especially, deal with the lease deal a lot. You I'm know, sure. with the hunt clubs yeah. and different things. True. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, they've got to buy into hunt clubs in order to have a place to hunt. And and you know, it's it's uh, it's changed hunting in the South, and uh, it's been one of those deals where um, maybe maybe it was for the for the best. But man, it's t- the number one thing that takes us away from uh, the number one barrier is access to property. It is. Yeah, and and as we see these leases pop up and different things, then it puts up barriers for the guy that has a pack of beagles because nobody's going to lease a piece of property to, to go run chase a rabbits. No, yeah. they're not. Yeah, that's true. Uh, guy or did. a squirrel dog, or a or a coon dog. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't happen. So. It's big game causes that, right? Yeah. That's the guy. Yeah, that's true. Now, one of the things that, that I don't think a lot of landowners realize, especially, and I don't know if it's like this all over, but in Indiana, once you start collecting money for people to access your property, then you assume liability. You do. You and do. I used to tell, I had, I had some different landowners contact me, what do you know about leasing? Well, I know that as soon as you start charging for somebody to come on their property, then then you assume liability. Inherent risk. Yep, you have inherent risk. And Indiana protects landowners at present for injuries for outdoor-related activities. And that includes operating off-road vehicles or even going in a cave, which are dangerous type things. Yeah, trying to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, trying to get hurt type sure. stuff. And, uh so, You're right, and I've had people though say that before, like, "Well, I'm, I had I felt like I should lease my property because if they lease it, I'm not responsible." I've had people say that, and I've told them one of our best friends is, you know, an insurance agent, and so on. He's like, "No, no, that's it's the opposite of that." Well, I took the law to him mm-hmm. and showed it to him and laid it out for him and said, "You realize 
when your customers are calling it and asking about leasing that that they're assuming responsibility because they're profiting from yeah, that they're venture. profiting at that uh -huh. point so and he wasn't aware of it yes until see. i showed it to him uh-huh you know that makes sense yep once you start collecting money for that property for access then you assume liability it's business so you'd have to yep. have pretty good policy to cover what could happen right you know yeah a million dollars isn't going to be enough no mm -hmm. you know if there was a fatality no. or serious injury well i mean think anything. how many times have you guys walked through the woods around here and walked across an old cistern that's open <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. there isn't anything i can think of mm -hmm. that you could fall in that could be worse than falling in an old no. cistern no. that's huge around oh, yeah. here yeah. it used to be huge that's where everybody got their water and stuff yeah, yeah and every old there's a, how many of them are you find them out in the middle mm -hmm. of nowhere where you never thought there was a homestead don't yeah. you run into that kind of stuff yeah and yeah. they're 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 big round and they taper towards mm -hmm. a small opening at the top if you fall in a well i mean you can chimney your way out of that deal and climb out mm -hmm. but um, man that used to scare me to death you'd be you out walking around and then boom you look down and shine your light down in it or you you know mm -hmm. realize that that's an old cistern and yeah. that's a death trap oh yeah so What's the, what's the biggest injury in hunting? Probably tree stand falls, too, right? That's tree stand falls. Yeah, it has yeah. to be. By far. That's huge. Yeah. I wonder how the tree saddle deal is going to, if that's going to change things on that statistic. Because those things seem to be. Are you using a tree saddle yet? No. What's that? I'm it's not like obviously. A, I ask you what it is. Yeah. Know, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> so it's a harness. It's a rope system. Right. Uh, it's. It's a lot like what arborists would use yeah. up in a tree. Yeah. And um, and you're, you're contained the whole time as you're climbing, yep, too. Yep. You're, you, you climb up there, and, and uh, you've got a rope system and a harness, and you've got a full-body harness on, and you're clipped in with a carabiner. and, and uh, So it's like a block and tackle? You pull yourself up or what? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, th I, think, I think there's probably I'm, some. I'm some, guilty. Do you, do you wear, do you, are you tied while you're climbing? No, I'm, I'm usually not. I'm not. That's where you, you fall. Be. Yeah. Getting in and out. I always like it when guys say. That in and out of the platform to the ladder yeah. or whatever. Yeah. They, like statistics show that's where that's the, where the, the injury fall occurs. happens, yeah. not while you're on the platform. Well, as soon as you sit out there, you know, you shift that weight out on that platform, it shifts a little bit. I always. I always that's where it happens. Yeah, a lot of times. A lot of times. But, you know, it always. Guys will say, well, if my tree stand breaks, I'll just jump. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. So how many how many times have you seen – you guys have seen it. You go to the carnival and they got the yeah. guys sitting on the platform right. and they're throwing the baseballs at yeah. the thing. Mm -hmm. How many times have you seen a guy jump off the platform mm -hmm. to avoid falling in the water? <laughs> you can't react fast enough. No, there's, there's no, no way. No, no. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, by far that's the number that's one. That's where it happens at. Number one injury yeah. is tree stand falls and hunting. Well, as you get older, too, the ladder stands are more appealing. The safer type setup. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And you're get, talking to a guy that golfs now, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm also talking to a guy that climbs around on roofs every day. Well, yeah. no, you've, seen him. Matter, yeah. you've seen him yeah. in a tree before at some point, oh, like yeah. doing stuff. Oh, yeah, he's like a monkey. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Yeah, he hunts out of ladder stands a lot. <laughs> you get less and less. You don't. Kind of, yeah. You don't need to go as high anymore. No, and as I've got older, just kind of like talk yourself out of even hanging them. I as couldn't much, get don't high you? enough. I I just, me really, neither. I mean, I just couldn't. Yeah, it's bad. Or it's mm. bad. And the time, how many times have you been on a some type of an incline where you have to get real high to be out right. of line of sight? Yeah. And the downhill side's like a hundred foot to the ground. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I mean the. 
but you know you're right. 20 here or 15 but then the downhill side you're 40 or 50 yeah yeah, yeah well, ever bit of and it. you're taking a saw up and, you, and if it's a downhill off. it's usually like a rocky creek below you or something oh yeah, <laughs> yeah something soft to land on you know no big deal no big deal but uh well you guys got any closing thoughts we want to wrap this thing up you guys got something else you need to tell the the houndsman world i i'm i'm glad you guys came on because this is kind of a we're all comfortable, you know, oh, talking yeah, to each other fun. and having a good time. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Talk well, a lot of different topics. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I was kind of shocked when you asked. You know, I thought, I don't know, I don't, is this a challenge for you? <laughs> Thinking that you can get me and him in here and talk and not laugh, and I don't know, maybe might be the headsets. I don't know. Yeah, we feel we, like we we held it together. NASCAR crew chiefs. Well, yeah, yeah maybe feel like yeah. Talk, Dale Jr. Hey, what's your What's your opinion on the the NASCAR debacle? Which one? Because <laughs> you're a NASCAR, you were a NASCAR. Are you still a NASCAR I am, fan? I am a NASCAR fan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which How one? Do, which? Well, I don't know. There's a lot of debacles. But so Jimmy Johnson has COVID. Is that what you're talking about? Does he? Probably not. But I didn't even yeah, know that. Let's go that direction. Does he? Is he asymptomatic? Yeah, he's yeah. asymptomatic. Who, who isn't? Like who right. doesn't? Most have of it, the young guys the are. But, yeah, they don't yeah. show any signs. But um, they, yeah, they've. I don't know. That whole sport though is. It's changed a lot. Yeah, it's kind of made it a little bit too liberal. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I it. asked you when I walked in your garage if you had any nooses hanging around. <laughs> I was looking for them. Yeah. I was afraid I was going to feel oppressed here and, and no. victimized. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Um, Read too much into things, you know. Yeah, time, I think it people, is what it is. I mean, time's caused it that. wasn't there. It wasn't pointed at him. Um you know, it's he's a good driver. Yeah, no, nobody's after anybody. This right. is oh, just let's just so let's either. quit it. That's nobody's quit. A, nobody's after anybody here. And yeah. the more things are scrutinized, the more controversy arises. Right, we can scrutinize I mean, everything. It's all just uh, hunting, fishing. Don't matter. We can go there too. That's kind let's of the whole, thi- the whole theme of this mm-hmm. whole podcast is how we coexist. You know, you're right as as outdoorsmen because where, Shane, where do you, where do you see the future, honey? What do you see right if, now? If I if I told you, if I'll, I'll just pose it for you. That if, is a I, good if I told you that I feel like the pendulum has swung as far as it can for right. hunting, and now it's going to start swinging back the other way, and we have a choice to make: either we can be on the leading edge of that and and develop what the the image of hunting is going to be in the future, mm-hmm. or we think that it's going down the tubes and who cares anymore. Right. You know, how do you feel about that? I think it's up to us, our generation, to keep it going. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of being, uh, I don't know how to say, you know, we're almost selfish sometimes because, we you know, our hunting spots. And, oh, yeah. You know, if you see kids coming in, let them come in. It's good. Teach them rather than to keep all your secrets. That's right. Yeah, There's no right. secrets. No. I mean, there we, isn't, no. When we went, you know, and here's, no. I'm going to bring this up. Well, I've gone out west a lot hunting, and we went out to Colorado, me and another guy, and, you know, we get out there, and there's some guys from Missouri. You know, we, Greg, a friend of mine, ours, all of us, but uh, we get there, and, you know, we just walked out of a Cabela's catalog, (laughs) me and Greg. I mean, we just, I mean, we got new camo, new tent, you know, and there's a group from Missouri. We're real good friends with them today. 
and you know they had their you know old junk stuff old junk quad you runners make fun of them. yeah we're like look at these guys well, we just walked out of the cabela's catalog <laughs> we get our backpacks on go walking by them don't say anything to them yeah, that's a good story you secret. know Gotta secret keep yeah secret. we're going up on the mountain yeah it's all secret you know what we get up there and we're walking 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 we come across the quad trail think we're away from everything well, these guys are worried about us. You know, we've been up there, we come back, and they helped us out so much. They were willing to give any information they had. And they had it, too. And they, they had it. These guys were top-notch. I mean, they yeah. were good good guys. But we were, being from here, you're, you're almost kind of selfish. We don't want to tell anybody. You know, right. there's deer over there, you know. So, you know, I don't know. I think we just need to. Lighten give up. It, light, lighten up, give in And you wonder, bit. like. It's not that important. Like it's art? fun. It's fun. Let's, yeah. let's don't it forget it's fun. fun. Yeah, that, it's that, fun. That's a key word on, on the end of all this. And it's fun to be friends with somebody else. Yeah. Not enemies. Not, you know, so. Yeah, who wants to. That's just life. You know, who, I don't, man, I'll tell you. you. You walk into whatever store and you're wearing your camo and the other guy, you see another guy wearing his camo and what fun is it to be sitting there thinking, I'm competing with him. Right. That's you know, a good it's point. It's not competing. Camo, the camo, whole right, camo right, craze. Right, right. Yeah, you're, you're what Fred, the, what's the old Fred Bear, th- your your grandpa hunted in? Mm-hmm. Plaid. In plaid. Mm-hmm. Set still, boy, or something mm-hmm. like yeah. that. That's the, ain't there's an old Fred Bear quote on that. He yeah. said that, you know. Yeah. Main thing's sitting still. But these guys were, they were studs. I mean, they were great. Yeah. Well, our kids can, t- well, that's the, the good point. Like, where's hunting going is our kids are adults now, you know, and what, what, and we've raised them in the outdoors, but will they continue that with their children? Or are we the last of the Mohicans that <laughs> do you wonder that sometimes? Yeah, or yeah. if the next, For sure. if the next generation of that are going to be raising children, you know, the next group, will they right. let, will they instill what we have done? I don't know. I don't know. I'd go, I go back to the, the old proverb. Or does mm-hmm. hunting, you know, does hunting go away? I, probably not, you know. Just yep. When a child is young, train him the ways he should go, and he will never stray from And when he grows older, he will never stray from it. That's true. You know, and uh, it may not be the front burner passion for for my kids, but they always have that baseline. Well, they can just do like it. farming with horses, just like your dad taught you with hard work. Russell Slack's one of the hardest working men mm-hmm. I've ever yeah. met. Uh-huh. Um, he can survive. He can. Mm-hmm. He grew up like that, and you know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll tell you what. I, th- I really think that the the generation that that we're skipping is that late twenties to mid thirties, up to forty year old generation. You know, mm-hmm. they kind of missed all that. Our kids got it from us, um, and our kids are under twenty five. Everybody's right. kids here yeah. is under twenty five. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. But that gener- so they're still trying to figure out exactly where what their path is going to be in life. But man, we got tons of thirty-year-old people that are looking for organic protein and mm-hmm. oh, where yeah. their food comes from, right. and yeah, more and, health aware. Yeah, too. yeah absolutely. Yeah, you know, true. turkey yeah. turkey licenses were up across the board nationwide. Some people are saying double digit. You know, up to thirty percent because of the COVID's. You know the kung flu, right. so we look at that that epidemic that was was on us. So people hunted, 
Yeah, yeah they, they were they were finding stuff to do. You could, uh-huh. Fishing license sales mm-hmm. through the roof. Uh, fishing tackle sales through the roof. True. And that's great. Uh, yeah, because that's all money that comes back to mm-hmm. hunting. When somebody buys buys a, a, a box of twenty two shells that never bought one before, Pittman Robertson money kicks in, mm-hmm. and now you got funds coming back. When mm-hmm. they buy that license, there's more money coming back for for fish and wildlife management. True. So. I think we're in a position where we have to be the leaders here, you know, and 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 be inviting as hard as it is. I mean, especially in Ohio County. No, they Indiana. don't have to be our kids, do they? They we don't. Can, we can get get people to be active in the outdoors, yeah. regardless of maybe who they some thirty-year-old guy that we were that like. You, that was your point earlier. Don't yeah, just help people. Help people yeah. to get into it. Yeah. Maybe even. Yeah. I mean, we used to, you know, we all got our birds. Man, I was like. Who ain't got a bird? I'm ready to go. <laughs> Turkey. You know, yeah. 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 This year? Not this year. <laughs> it's pretty tough this year. Yeah. 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 It's pretty tough. Bobcats. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. Yeah, we can go on that if you want. It's <laughs> fine. It's being fun. You guys shouldn't have stalked them. That's right. <laughs> the DNR shouldn't have stalked bobcats. Shouldn't have brought the cats in or the snakes or. Yeah. Well, we all started with the coyotes on the pipeline. Yeah. Texas yeah. gas wasn't it? Uh, we, could, we could make we, a whole we podcast. Can, we can, we can, we yeah, can go another two hours. We'll get out of that one. That goes on forever, don't it? Yeah. It's great, though. Dropping rattlesnakes out of helicopters uh-huh. to yeah. control the turkey population. And yeah. Gotta eat them eggs. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 All those myths floating around out there. Maybe they're true. I might be wrong. I the, bobcat, <laughs> the bobcat thing, I, I don't mind at all having another fur bear and predator here. To tell you the truth, I just wish they would consider them that way. Yeah. Don't you? That's the whole key where we well, can. Why don't they? Where we can make use out of them. Why don't they? I think, they, I think the state is too. Uh, is cowering down to the whole pressure that they get from it, don't you? From the anti hunting crowd? Mm-hmm. I do. I think that I think that the biologists have to be aware that they're, you know, they're here and they're at a harvest level and they're bre- been at breeding capacity for a while now. Long time. How many bobcats a year do we catch? We catch oh, it's, two or three. It's, yeah, it's a dime a dozen. It used to be cute, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. The first yeah, time cool. you saw one and turned I mean, it loose. Do you think? Okay, if we've you talked and about if this. you tried to catch there cats, we go. oh, you'd catch them on every farm if you set appropriate for mm-hmm. it. If you said, if you made a set, loud, sloppy, tra- flashy, eye-appealing sets, you'd catch cats everywhere you set traps. Right now, I do believe that. I believe it too, because we've caught them incidental with blending yeah. things. Yeah. Trying, try, you know, trying, trying to keep them out of them. Right. So if they would, um, you've caught them. Yeah. Yep. And now it's not as cute to turn every one you catch loose. I mean, it just becomes no, an annoyance. Not. Like it's just a non-target. Like they wreck any, your set. It's a non-target like yeah. anything else. And yep. you guys would love to hunt them with hounds. Oh, absolutely. Who wouldn't? You know, that, yeah, would, that be a, would be fun. That'd be a whole nother. That's, that's, and that's a during the daylight That's a daytime. You betcha. Huh? Yeah. I'd I'm, never I'm coon, in. If, if I could bobcat hunt in Indiana, yeah. I'd never coon. I, would, I may never coon hunt I again. think that, that would be a – I would get passionate on that yeah. one. I think I would. Yeah. I would. That would be a yeah, – I know in. you would. I'm in. Oh, yeah. But uh, – but yeah, just quit to do the right thing, and right. regardless of the you know the rebuttal from the liberal stuff, you know that's the key. You know, don't thing, you think? I yeah. mean, they, don't you think? I mean, you were quite involved in it. That you know, where the people that that are looking at at the figures and the statistics and the research, they have to realize that there's enough of them here to harvest. And they them. do, and they do. They know that. That's mm-hmm. the thing. You know, I think a lot of times the biologists 
and the conservation officers take all the heat for not having those seasons. But those decisions right. are made yeah. at high levels from bureaucrats that have been appointed. And, That's right. And you guys things. have given them the right information. The, the biologist knows. You know, he knows. We're ready. We can do this mm -hmm. now. But then we send it out for public opinion and the the hearings and, and the, the hearings the public and, things and, and all that stuff and and where there shouldn't be. Quite honestly, well, the first tenet of the North American Model for Wildlife Conservation is that wildlife is a public trust. So okay. that means that we all have a say in it. Doesn't matter that we, the three of us sitting in this room, are footing the bill for it. It's still a public trust, and I, th I look at that, and I would go back and forth on that, and I struggle with that, and I wonder if we shouldn't take another look at that mm -hmm. because we're losing so much connection with the land now with every generation, um, and I wonder if, if that's not an outdated concept, but I also look at it as this is our gift to society, to our culture. Sure. Is we do this, you enjoy it. All we're asking is you appreciate where that money comes from that pays for that wildlife. You know, the sportsman's you, carrying it. That's absolutely. It. <laughs> all Always. Of it. That's all I'm asking is. The protests if, don't have a dime in it. No. Really. They really no. don't. Monetarily wise. No. Other than just, you know, they're. They don't have anything in it. And now there's a big thing out west where on public, public land where they're wanting to talk about what's called a backpack tax. You know, if you're if you're going to hike up in here, then then you pay for a permit to go up in there, and that would go into like Colorado, Montana, Idaho's mm -hmm. funds to manage wildlife because you're using their property like a hunter does as like well, we I guess. Yeah, and and some people are you know out there beating the drum saying, well, it's about time. You know, let's get their money. They're put they're they're putting foot traffic on that property. They're impacting the landscape. My my thoughts are is once you start charging them that permit, and that goes back to the least hunter deal, kind of like too. Then they're going to have more rights, though. What they're going to have say. more of a say. Yeah, and, yeah. And there's a lot of them. Right. Man, yeah, I, you're that, right. that scares That's me. True. And that group is more the. Mm -hmm. Of the left side. Yes. Yeah, that's yep. true. Yeah, yeah. Yep, for sure. Yeah. So I, I can just see, it makes sense as far as getting garnishing some funding from them. It looks it good short term. It does, but it could have an impact on. Yeah, I mean, legislate. Like, what's yeah. he doing? You know, I drove through. I drove through. Who's your? Well, look at their rights right now. They still got them, and we're still footing the bill. Yep. Yeah, they use it for free, and we pay for it. Yep. And so. and some people will argue that they just they still have the same amount of say. I'm just worried right. that if we start charging them, they'll then have more say. They'll have more say. Yeah. They'll realize. You know what happens when say, yeah. what happens when then they're going to say, well, we don't want hunting in this area exactly because right. we backpack. It's, it's hiking season, right. so you can't you can't be turkey hunting in the spring or yeah. deer hunting in the fall. Yeah, that's true. Or running a hound during bear season. Yeah, mm -hmm. and whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's too crowded up there. You know, mm -hmm. we're making, and the bureaucrats look at that and they say we're making three million, three billion dollars a year off of off of backpack taxes, but we're only making thirty million dollars a year off of hunters. Might listen to that more. When you start talking to politicians and they start mm -hmm. chasing the money, man, mm -hmm. that's a no contest. I know where that's headed. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So. Maybe if they start getting eaten, they'll understand. I don't know. <laughs> Look at the grizzly situation. There won't be less grizzlies yeah. in, in the Yellowstone Basin out there. Or if a little rover gets eaten, eaten by a 
and, and the whole wolf thing. Yeah, and we, right. we, we could talk about the whole wolf and you know reintroduction for you talk about that for days. Yes. Yeah. On the the yeah. the issues that that's caused and how it's still. Wildlife management has become so politicized, and it's everything is politicized in our culture. You know mm-hmm. what isn't anymore. Right. But uh, we just got to find our way forward in the future. And I was just curious what you guys thought about the future of hunting, especially growing up like you did. You guys could drive out into the county. I can name the farms that you guys true that, mm-hmm. that we could, and I hunted on some of the same farms. I think here, you know, in this right here local because it it's always going to still be a you know rural right. community and as long as someone passes that on to the next people that people will still always do it here as far as like public property that would be more of a who knows on that one yeah private property it seems i think it would probably i just am concerned that that it dies out even generationally like mm-hmm. it doesn't get passed on after like our right. kids well we you know my son he graduated last year yours did too you know i always ask him who hunts in high school that, that was a good point who I, hunts? I was getting ready to ask that because you would know it was like man it was like nobody right nobody now when we were in high school who didn't who didn't yeah who didn't but everybody's now, was everybody's shot squirrels or at least did well, yeah. some of the you know 22 some, rifles in the gun racks in the back window and shooting frogs and if, if your rifle wasn't in the gun rack in the back window it's like who stole at, your rifle you right know? where'd right, your rifle right. go? that was a funny one too in the high school parking lot yeah. absolutely guns in the rack you know a couple of guys that we both know jane and mckinley mm-hmm. you know they'd go to school run their trap lines in the morning and catch mm-hmm. everything live and then <laughs> Oh, yeah. They'd have coons in one corner and a fox oh, or a yeah. coyote in another corner and yeah. all these things under a camper shell yeah. in the back of their truck, you know. And their guns in the rack. The guns yeah. in the rack. Yeah. Nobody thought anything about well, it. Nobody. nobody did any silly stuff, though, then, either, did they? No. You know, think about that. Like, no. Man, we're going to go down a political trail here. Yeah, well, yeah, we're getting the morality yeah. and, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good yeah. topic, though. Yeah, it is. But as far yeah, everybody, everybody was a sportsman then. Mm-hmm. Who didn't hunt? Yeah, here that's is true. Yeah. It would have been right. a high percentage of if you didn't, you wasn't cool. Of young males would have did it. Right. Yeah, used to be cool. Some of us did it to the extreme level, like right. you and I. You know, were ate up with it, but mm-hmm. then about every kid did it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I was extreme. Yeah, for you sure. were too. You're, you, know, you, you were just like me and him. You just lived in a different county. Yeah, but you were the same way, and had friends that were and mm-hmm. and. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I want to. I want to kind of sum it up and just say that I think we're on the we're on the verge of turning this thing around. And I think. Um, yeah, I'd be I'd be more hopeful than yeah. Right. All the negative, optimistic about it. Yeah. The all way. the negative stuff. I mean, we can we can focus on the negatives and. There's no gain with that. Yeah, uh, we can look mm-hmm. at Facebook and we can get all down in the mouth about everything that's going wrong in the world. But I I really believe I ha- maybe I have to hold on to this hope that that I see an opportunity for mm-hmm. our generation, the 50-year-old generation, the, the seasoned hunter, the people that have been hunting for a while, mm-hmm. to capitalize on this recent trend of more involvement and interest in outdoor sports. Mm-hmm. And being you know, healthy and the whole things that that applies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We need to, we need to um, 
we don't have to go out and just be like, hey, you know, I'm going to sacrifice all my hunting so I can take some newbie hunt. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but at the same but time. But that's fun, too. Yeah. It's fun. It it's absolutely great. is. It's awesome. It's There's funner now to see somebody do something, whatever it is, for the first time than it is you doing it yourself. There's no question about it. I agree. You brought that That's up. That's a what, natural when you, First time you watched your, your child kill whatever, you know, <laughs> whether it be a squirrel or a deer or shoot a coon out or whatever, that was better than you ever yeah. felt about it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? you know, there wasn't anything better. I think I'd get as much joy out of seeing my son come back with a brace of squirrels than if I went out and shot them myself. Oh, For yeah. sure. Because you know? you've done it so much. Now it's not so much. Of, right. you just don't, yeah. I mean, you still like it, but it really so, doesn't matter that much. But anymore. I've got skin in the game with my son. How do mm-hmm. I transfer that over to right. you know, Chaco sandal-wearing, skinny jean-wearing guy that yeah. wants to learn about squirrel hunting? You right. know, if, yeah. if he walked in here, we, I would be – I think we. I can know you both well enough to think, We'd, we'd all be standing there looking at him like, is this guy serious? He really yeah. wants to start hunting. But you should yeah. try to be helpful. Yeah, yeah. let's go. Yeah. Let's go. We you've need done to be it like some, that. though. You've took over the yeah. years, like, because, you know, his, you know, especially, well, girls and boys, mm-hmm. actually, we son and your daughter. Oh, it's crazy. I love it. Somebody's never they done. They shoot one. Man, I'm all over them. <laughs> yeah. Hugging them. is like, who's this weirdo? You know? <laughs> you know like, Joe Biden? Got him, yeah. Joe Biden style? <laughs> right. Yeah, I am. <laughs> don't go that far but yeah. sniffing <laughs> but no uh, it's great it, it's awesome there's i mean really it's there's nothing better bring than somebody, somebody else it. yeah I'm, i think i'm more that seeing joy it's like giving a gift for christmas same thing i agree I and that's where, that's I where agree. we should be we need to be optimistic about it yeah look at the good side of everything and have have faith in the new generation and younger people and that the they're hungry. If if we don't show them the path that they right. that they need to take or demonstrate some options for them, how are they ever going to learn it? You they're know, not. we've got, they won't. They won't. Can't. And and the I old school at, parenting part of it's not necessarily there on their that age group where they had like outdoorsman's teaching them, right? No. Like we like we did. That's I mean, key. when you went to Thanksgiving, Steve, how many people? How many of the men in your family um, hunted? Would sit around and tell hunting stories. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the, yeah, you're right. When we go they to did. family get get-togethers, him and I sit by each other and talk. Now, as, yeah, because we because the older ones are gone, right? So the new ones don't. Yeah, yeah. the newer gen they don't know exactly anything about it. Where yeah, as a kid, it would have been all of them. Yeah, yeah. everybody. I remember going to the family oh, gatherings yeah. and and you'd sit there and you listen to the mm-hmm. hunting stories and mm-hmm. and my family would bring shotguns to thanksgiving so mm-hmm. that we could rabbit hunt oh yeah go either before the meal usually before yeah. the meal yeah. we'd go out and do a rabbit hunt i mean people would show up at our house at nine o'clock in the morning where we weren't eating until one o'clock yeah you could do a little and hunting first you'd go do a rabbit hunt mm-hmm. you'd come back in you warm up you have thanksgiving dinner i mean it was a whole day event and yeah. i remember my uncles and my great uncles and everybody participating in this stuff, and now it's just not there. Mm-hmm. And you looked up to them. Yeah, you, you really did. did. You just man, oh, yeah. hanging on every so, word. Yeah, you're like, yeah, you know, wide-eyed. Yep. yep, yep. And it was just, it was just a different culture. But I think we're on the precipice of regaining some of that ground now. If if we, we do it, if we do it, yeah. and that's the message that I want to get out there is: don't be afraid. Don't you know? 
somebody is waiting for you to invite them to go hunting. And agree. And we have to it may be a passive thing. They're not they may not come out and say it directly to sure. you. Sure. If you think about it though, you've had conversations where people are like, I'd like to try to kill a turkey sometime right. or right. Man, that's jump when, on that's it. when you should help them. That's you when should. you jump on it. Man, yeah. what's that what's that coon hunting thing all about? Or what's mm-hmm. that bear why don't you go with me? Right. You may change your life. And seeing yeah. dogs, if you've never saw dogs do that, right. that's a that's an amazing yeah, thing. Think if you I mean, yeah. it's which we're used to it. Right. You yeah. know, especially you, but seeing yeah. but if somebody that's never Watch seen a, dog, a dog that can do that mm-hmm. and run something down and put it in a specific spot. Yep. It's an amazing thing to see. And you know, you'd be surprised if somebody would just would do it. Mm-hmm. There'd be a lot of people interested in that. So Yep. Well, we've got a responsibility to to keep hunting life. It's been a it's been our passion, our lifestyle, and things for our whole lives, and and I think we have a responsibility to yeah, to all... find ways and opportunities to pass that along. And I think there's no better time right now that I've known in my lifestyle. I've even compared it to the golden age of conservation back from the 1930s. Um, there's been no better time for us to take advantage of that than there is right now. And mm-hmm. and I it think should be our obligation to try it. Yep, yeah. I really believe that. I really believe that, and we need Good to look point. for those those opportunities to do that. So, you guys got anything else you want to tell thirty five hundred people that are going to be listening Man, to this next I don't week? Know. I'm just shocked we got through this. I'm shocked. You did a good job. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Our host, Chris Powell, here. <laughs> for sure. Uh, I can't kept believe us going. you kept did. Us, kept us talking, yeah. I still think it's these microphones and ear. Makes you feel important. Yeah, it does. About it. Yeah. Yeah, like, you're flying production. A, yeah. like you're flying a plane yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. We're coming in for a landing. It's been, it's been fun. Now. It has we, been fun. We've talked about a lot of different things today. We've had like, fun for yeah. 30 years probably. Oh, yeah. But this is our normal. Yeah. Whenever we get together. Yeah, we're just, reco- we're just kind yeah, of, we're our, just our conversation's talking. getting recorded. Yeah. We've yeah. tried to keep, you know, more points to it, I suppose. But, yeah, but it's our everyday talks, aren't they, about. They really are. Yeah. We've had. We've, we've kept it a little more PG-13, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, it's a joke. We're. We're good. Yeah, we appreciate we, it, man. Yeah, I appreciate you guys coming well, yeah, on. Yeah, thanks for having us. You here. bet. It's been a lot you of bet. Fun. Well, we got a way we close out every podcast. You guys know what the closing line is. You guys haven't been listening to the podcast enough, man. Though. Man, I can't believe. Gosh, it. I can't believe we, you're doing this to us right now, huh? You put us on the spot. Yeah, I, I'm going to try to think. Is it, is it? It's not one of your logos or something. Maybe. It might be one of our hashtags. It's not one of you, you hunt your hounds, you follow your hounds, I'll follow mine kind of deal. You got it. it. See? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You follow your hounds, I'll follow mine. I'll follow mine. Yeah, yeah, I was right. Man, you were on it. (laughs) (laughs) 